0: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross
2: Warmer from the low, and welcome to lovely Las Vegas for Custom Custom with myself, Greg Eames Peterson, now a part of the Family and Family Podcast. First things first, a happy 4th of July to you all. Hopefully, you're enjoying a holiday. Hopefully, you're able to kick back, relax, enjoy some good food, maybe a barbecue, what have you, and we've got a great podcast today. as One of the best, Mike Randall, he does a great job with the Screen the Screener podcast. He is also one of the chief content officers over at FTM Bets. He's going to be joining me. He's going to be talking about some of the majors that, in his research, he has been very impressed by. We're also going to be diving into the topic of these teams... That enter into a new conferences due to realignment, are they at more of an advantage or disadvantage? Taking a look at these conferences, like the American, that's going to be new look, like Conference USA, that they lose a lot of teams from last season as well. And he's going to throw out there a surprise team that was absolutely horrible last year. That might have a little bit of upside. We're also going to be taking a look at the lay of the land when it comes to West Virginia and the fact that Joe Toussaint is not going to be returning to school. That was announced on Monday. What it means that Kentucky was able to Trey Mitchell and so much more. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you, for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we we'll to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline, and the other way find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five-star review. Really did not get in any Twitter questions today, and this will be a two-part podcast because we saw a few pieces of college basketball news that did happen on Monday that needs to get rounded up. It wasn't a rambunctious day. I do think that we are starting to get to the point where rosters are getting pretty well set. Now, there is a little bit of movement on Paul Mukahi. It appears as though is chasing after some NIL money with the visits that he is taking, so we shall wait and see what happens there, but we did see a couple commitments happen on Monday, and as we are getting less and less player movement, there's going to be more and more previews coming up on the podcast as well. You've been noticing the conference previews have been ramping up. I've been asking a lot of our guests what they've been gathering with regards to their offseason research. Expect a lot more of that in the coming weeks and coming months to get you guys set for the upcoming season, but we did see Cyrus Grigsby. He was playing last season over at St. Francis of New York. As we know, St. Francis of New York, they cut literally every sports program they had. It wasn't just college basketball. They did not decide to just pick on one or two sports. It was everyone that got cut, but he was one of the gentlemen looking for a new school, and he is going to be heading on over to Prairie View after last season he put up 4.2 points. He was able to register three boards, shot about thirty-three percent for three-point range, but not necessarily a guy that necessarily took a whole bunch of threes. But was a solid starter for this team, someone that was nice at being able to clog things up at a six-foot-eight and out there in the swag. You don't necessarily have a ton of size, so I do think that this is going to be a move that could be working out for them. I did mention it that Joe Tucson he is now going to be taking a look at these schools that he has currently slash already has visited with because he is not going to be returning to West Virginia for this upcoming season. That is a little bit of a loss for them. He was able to average nine and a half points. Two and a half assists, not a guy that's necessarily going to elevate your team and be like a primary scorer on a bunch that's going to be going to the Elite Eight or anything like that, but someone that throughout his career was always able to do a nice job taking care of the ball. Last here shot about 33% from three after he had shot throughout his annual career more around 28% from three-part range, so worked on that aspect of his game. Just a really nice glue guy piece that you always want on a team. So that's a little bit of a loss for West Virginia. The doctor is in the house of the transfer portal. Dr. Bradley, who last season was at New Mexico State, he is currently deciding where he is going to be going to school at. Someone that actually began his career at Cal State Fullerton, went down to the junior college level, was a top 20 junior college transfer, according to JucoRecruiting.com. Really didn't live up to his billing last year because New Mexico State was about as dysfunctional as it got, right around six and a half points per contest. But when he was down at the junior college level, showed off a really good versatility at six foot seven, a guy that is able to throw out the ball a little bit, a guy that's relatively solid on the glass as well. So I'm very curious to see where he is going to be ending up. This is always easier for your handicap. We've got quite a few guys out there that they have yet to decide on a home. And many of these guys are going to need to go the D1 route. When we do see someone like a Khalil Turner had solid numbers last year. I am surprised that he's going down to the 91 level. At Morgan State last year for Khalil Turner, he started 12 games. He averaged nine points, five rebounds, two assists, two steals. Shot about 31% from three. Granted, Morgan State plays in the MIAC. This is not the Big Ten or anything like that, but he put up solid numbers and now he is going down to the 91 level. He's going to be playing for St. Thomas University. No, this is not the St. Thomas at the Division 1 level. This is the St. Thomas out there in the great state of Texas. So, very simple for your handicap. All you need to note is that this is going to be a gentleman in Mr. Turner that you do not need to evaluate anymore, but I'm mean, good for St. Thomas at the 91 level being able to get this sort of a gift because this was, to me, rather start And then we saw Wildens Levique. He was one of the late transfers from UMass. A guy that is relatively solid down low was over at South Carolina a few seasons ago. He has decided that he is going to be heading on over to Texas A&M. So, the rich get richer with Texas A&M. It always feels like they've got like 100 million, billion guys. They're able to give you like really no more than like six to seven rebounds per game. But no fear that four rebounds per game and Levique is going to fit in that bowl. Last year was a starter for UMass. Average five and a half points, four and a half boards. Relatively good clogger down low with a little bit over a block per contest. And for UMass prior to injuries just completely pummeling this team, they were a relatively solid defensive team with LeVique being one of the main low post presence for this team. So I do think that for Texas A&M it's going to be a nice depth piece for them. So we did see a few pieces of news that did come out in college basketball on Monday, but we've got to get you guys set for the upcoming season. We've got to take a look at some angles with some of these teams that are dealing with conference realignment, being in a new conference. Does that put them at an advantage? Does that put them at a disadvantage? We're going to dive in on the West Virginia situation. The current roster makeup of them and we're going to be taking a look at a few mid-majors to take it out of as well that's up next with mike randall over at fdm that's right here with myself, stars and now a part of decent family podcast
3: nfl total access the podcast is getting you ready for the 2024 nfl draft
4: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft.
4: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units' return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business, so if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at sbia1.com and check them out on social media at sbia sports.
2: We're with myself, Craigie Peters, and now part of the Beacin Family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by this man as Mike Randall. He does absolutely tremendous work over at FTN and FTN Bets as their chief content officer. He does an incredible job taking a look at the game of college basketball, and he's got a great podcast of his own. It is the Screen the Screener podcast, which you're able to find wherever you get your podcast, and to be able to follow Mike Randall on Twitter, that is at together And, Mike, it is always great to have you aboard. Thank you.
5: Oh, great. We must have Fourth of July here. We're talking college hoops with you. Nothing better, my friend. Thanks for having
2: me. Thank you for joining me. And Mike, when it comes to what we've been seeing in college basketball, the biggest thing over the last few weeks has been the fallout that we've seen with West Virginia. They hire on Josh Eilert as their interim coach, and we've seen a few guys go away from the program. We aren't sure exactly where Joe Toussaint is going to be going, but it was announced on Monday that he is not going to be returning to West Virginia. We saw Trey Mitchell go to Kentucky, which... We'll dive into it in a minute or two as well. But what has been your overall thoughts as to what has happened with West Virginia in these coming weeks and how that's affected the way that you evaluate them coming into the season?
5: Yeah, it's very sad. Huggins' actions, it can't defend them. Greg, I heard you talking about them as well. You know, the comments he said, completely out of line. Then the DUI, back to back. It's very, very tough. And I know his daughter came out, you know, defending him. And listen, I've been a fan of Coach Huggins old school coach has been around college basketball. I remember him hugging Deshaun Butler on the floor in the final four when he hurt his knee. So certainly someone that the players like, but they had to move on from. And I have a lot of questions now about West Virginia. You know, when you are a new coach or someone like Eilert who does no experience, I mean, he's a one year assistant. He's now taking over a program in the big 10 following a legendary coach. That is a heavy, heavy lift. Kirk Creasa staying. I don't know if that's a positive or not. I remember Kirk Creasa mouthing off, cursing at Tommy Lloyd in Arizona beginning of the year during one of the games. So I don't know if you really want to build around a player like that. I'm down on West Virginia. They're going to have to rebuild a rough spot all around for the university, for the players, for the coach, for everyone here for a program that they thought maybe could make a final four run this year a few months ago.
2: And I think the biggest thing for West Virginia is, as well, just the conference that they play in, too. Because if they were playing in even the Big Ten, I'm sorry for those that love the Midwest, I still think that they would be one of the better teams in the Big Ten. Certainly if they were in the Pac-12, they would be a rock-solid team as well. I think they would probably still struggle in a conference like the SEC as well. But I think that that's the biggest thing. When you're going up against Kansas twice a year, when you're having to face off against the likes of Texas, when you're going to be having to play twice a year against even a team like TCU, you go down the list. I think that that's the biggest issue that is facing West Virginia. The competition that they're going to have to go up against night in and night out is going to be brutal. And, while in a different conference, perhaps they could still be that top three, top four team in the Big Twelve. You lose one or two guys, and that causes a big giant pitfall.
5: Yeah, you have all these teams coming in too. Now Houston coming in, Cincinnati, UCF. I mean, so many programs coming in. This is just two years removed. Greg West Virginia, four and fourteen, last place in the Big Twelve just two years ago. Last year, respectable. You know, they battled seven and eleven. But this was really sort of, I thought, a last hurrah for Huggins in this program. I am going to be down on them. I'm going to be fading them early. We talk about picks. It's someone I'm going to be looking to lay the points against here. It's just a lot of variables, and this can go south. And they're putting a lot in the player like Jesse Edwards, who certainly did a nice job with Syracuse, like 14 and 10, I think two 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 and a half blocks. But you're coming now to the Big 12, like you said. I don't know if those numbers are going to translate here, so – very frustrated. High on Joe Toussaint. We can get him in a little bit where you think he's going to go, but those are the type of players you need to get you through this situation. A hey, Joe Toussaint, but he's not going to be there.
2: Absolutely. And I do think that the biggest loss is Trey Mitchell because – on top of that, it appears as though a along with like you are both going to be on the fold for West Virginia as well as we're being joined by Mike Randall, who does great work over at FDN as one of their chief content officers right here on Coast to Coast suits. But I think that losing Trey Mitchell along with the other forwards in the portal, that's big as well. Because while Jesse Edwards is going to be able to do a nice job, was a double-double machine last season over at Syracuse, you lose someone in Trey Mitchell who is six foot eight, six foot nine, was able to pop threes relatively well could do a lot of things very well for this West Virginia team. And I do think that that that's a big benefit for a Kentucky team that they just needed any sort of experience whatsoever. Would have liked to have seen them get a little bit more experience at the guard spot, but they just needed any sort of experience and they were able to fill the void there. But I think that that's really the biggest loss for West Virginia and really really a really golden find for the Kentucky Wildcats.
5: Yeah, Greg, my brother-in-law is up at UMass, big basketball fan. So I remember back in the 2019-2020 season, I saw Trey Mitchell up there. 18 points, seven and a half boards, two blocks of steel. He operates best from what I remember seeing when he is the top option. Of course, he's bounced around Texas, West Virginia. Last year was solid, but really had a rough time in Texas, I think, because he didn't like working with Beard and he wanted to obviously have some more offensive freedom. He may have that with Cal down in Kentucky, who needs him as badly as Trey Mitchell probably needs a home here if he wants to play at the next level overseas, whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, he's a talented big man. He certainly has a lot more offensive game than Jesse Edwards that would have been a nice player who I think would have done well because he would have been sort of the go-to guy there for that team but big loss and and Cal's putting a lot of faith in Trey Mitchell certainly was talented as a true freshman 2019-2020 at UMass 18 and 8 I mean that's a good player
2: Yep, I'm right there with you. I think that that's a loss for West Virginia, and that's a big time pickup for a Kentucky team. And I do think that out there in the SEC, it is going to be one of the better conferences in all of college basketball. I think that there is a very good debate as to what the number two conference in college basketball is between the Biggies and the SEC, because the SEC, I think, has really been able to elevate itself with, for one, improved coaching. And the one thing that really held back the SEC last season was fact that a lot of these teams like Mississippi State, like Tennessee, they were unable to have anyone whatsoever on the roster that could shoot threes. And I think a lot of these teams in the offseason, they look themselves in the mirror. Alabama picking up someone like an Aaron Estrada. You have someone like a, you have someone like Denver Jones that's heading into Auburn. I think that that's going to be big for them. You just go down the list. And I think that the SEC schools, they did a nice job of being able to improve that shooting. And all in all, I like the overall coaching in this conference as well.
5: Yeah, I always like the SEC. Probably for me, the most enjoyable one to watch. I just love the type of basketball they play. I'll even narrow it down, Greg. It could be as simple as Arkansas, only because Arkansas is the type of team that can make a Final Four. Kentucky's been up and down, obviously. You assume that they will return to a higher level, but Arkansas was just beset by injuries yet still battled all the way in the tournament. They have added players. Uh, they've added Khalif Battle from Temple. Traymon Mark came over from Houston. LL, as we know, can shoot. Louisville, obviously very rough. Uh, great for us in the betting perspective last year, but very rough Louisville. They've added some players to shoot, so you're right. If the, SC, the SEC teams play hard, they rebound well. If they can get some shooting, absolutely can be the second best team in the conference, in the country,
2: I'm right there with you. I do think that the SEC, lots of upside there. I like the way that Auburn was able to retain so many of their players from the offseason as well. So I have stock up on them. As we do have Mike Randall of FTM Bets joining me right here on Coast Soups. Coast and then in terms of just a few mid majors that you might be a little bit of stock up on, who are a few that really come to mind because I've been starting up a lot of my conference previews and. The more I dive into some of these teams, the more I'm feeling like, yeah, I don't know about this school, but I do take a look at a team like a UC Santa Barbara, even though they did lose Zach Clements, I do think that they're going to be in for a relatively solid season. I do take a look at the Ivy League at school, like Brown being able to retain seven out of their top eight scores from a season ago as I do my research. That's the team I'm feeling better and better about. Or a few teams that, in your off-season research, thus far, they've Been really clicking on all cylinders in terms of what you like to see. And you think, man, this is a school that I think could be able to have a nice season that not a lot of people are talking about.
5: Yeah, you nailed it. I have found that there's a big divide between the upper teams and those lower mid-major teams that I like. I'm going out west, and I'm going to some of the smaller schools. So, for example, we all know that St. Mary's is great. It's a mid-major, but it's a team that sometimes goes under the radar because Gonzaga added Nemhark, Gonzaga added Graham EK. But let's not forget this St. Mary's team, 27-8 and last year, tied Gonzaga for first in WCC, blitzed a good VCU team in round one. They held Ace Baldwin to just 13 points. Four of their top five scores are back. And, look, you pay attention. I do as well. All the junkies out there know this. The score at halftime in the tournament against UConn was UConn up 31-30. And then Alex Dukas, the shooter who was on fire in the first half, leaves with a back injury. UConn outscores the Gales by 14 in the second half. They bring back four of their five scores. Aiden Mahaney, now a sophomore, great coach in Randy Bennett, top 10 nationally defensive efficiency. They are a dangerous team. And even though it is St. Mary's and we all know them, they play on the West Coast. They play late at night. So the majority of the country sometimes – Underrates rates them and they should not do that next year i mentioned last time i talked to you about new mexico i think new mexico is going to be a problem here they returned both jalen house who who alerted everyone in early june he's returning which means house and mashburn the backcourt returns for new mexico that was 38 points per game seven assists per game they bring jamal baker over from fresno state very solid really good shooter had a game with like eight or nine three-pointers made he has kentucky lineage they should be good. And what happened with the Patino father-son combination? Rick leaves, goes to St. John's. Nelly Jr. Joseph goes down to New Mexico. He replaces Morris Udesi. So this is a team. And Mustafa Endel of course, coming over from Dayton, who I saw against Fordham, 6'10", stretch forward, who's going to be a huge uptick from Josiah Alec, who they had. So that's another team I like. And then I'm going to go real small on you, Greg. Watch out for Tulsa. Now, I know Tulsa was 5-25 and 25 last year, 1-17 in the, in the American. You're probably laughing at me. But remember, head coach is Eric Conkle, who had a massive winning history at Louisiana Tech, won 22 or more games, six of the last seven seasons. So this was his first year with Tulsa. There's an adjustment period. But now you're in the American. There's no Houston. A lot of teams changing here. It's a little more wide open. And Tulsa brought in four D1 transfers. The backcourt from Louisiana Tech, who notes Conkle already, Kobe Williams and and Keiston Willis. They both 15-point-per-game scores. And they had Chauncey Gibson from Clemson, which is a high major. And then Isaiah Barners, who's a talented player from Michigan, who's also highly talented, didn't play that much that's the type of teams these high major players transfer to these small schools they can make a huge difference no one is thinking the golden hurricane is going to be good next year but they could be much improved here could be a betting value early because their lines are going to reflect a team that has a lot more players than people realize and could really sneak up and surprise some people
2: and i think that it is going to be really interesting to just evaluate not just Conference USA, which a lot of those guys are going to be coming from as well with Louisiana Tech. And that is going to be a completely gutted conference. But the reason why I bring that up is because a lot of the teams that are in the American from this year, they were in Conference USA a season ago. We've seen a lot of realignment with those two conferences. Do you think that it is a little bit of an advantage that Tulsa is a school that has been in the American for many years with all the realignment that you're seeing? Or is this just a case where, you know what, everyone is sort of under the same conditions? It is one of those cases where everyone is adjusting to a little bit of a new schedule, different travel, different rivals, what have you. Because I always do think that what we have realignment, and we've got a lot this year that it is always fascinating because it does typically turn out to be a case where these teams that they enter a new conference, either they catch teams very off guard or they have a completely terrible year. I find it very rare where we find something in between.
5: It's an excellent point. And I'll give you the perfect example that I agree with you that supports that argument. Let's look at James Madison who comes from the CAA and then joins the Sun Belt. Now, what we think is different, I know that that James Madison team probably thought they were going to come in and destroy all these Sun Belt teams, but we know just how good that that the coaches are and how good that conference is. They start off on fire. They almost win at West Virginia. They beat some good teams early on, and then they really struggled against who? Against the teams in the Sun Belt who've been there for years. Texas State lose by one at home. App State, of course, very tough. Dustin Kearns, South Alabama, Marshall—those sort of teams—they really struggled, flamed out at the end of the year. Had a solid season, but nowhere near what we thought the promise was when they were eleven and four heading into the new year. Lost to South Alabama after barely beating Troy in the Sun Belt Conference again. Where it really well-coached program as well with Troy with the Trojans. So, yes, I think the teams that have been in the conference. With coaching consistency, not a new coach, they can absolutely make some noise. And you see these new teams come in, and a lot of times the the lines and our reputation from the prior year is weighed too heavily. So, yes, when you have consistency, a guy like Conkle who's bringing in players from his old program at Louisiana Tech that had a winning pedigree, yes, I think the new team sometimes can be overvalued, and the veteran teams that have been in the conference that have a good coach can often be undervalued, absolutely.
2: And how much do you think that we overreact to a coach's first season as well? Because you mentioned it with Eric Conkle. He took over a Tulsa job that we all knew that Tulsa was not going to be great in year number one. I wasn't expecting it to be as bad as it was in season number one, but you just sometimes have some uh, bad situations. And how much do you think that perhaps some of these first-year coaches, their reputation suffers because we have seen a few outliers in recent years, like Dennis Gates and the tremendous job he did at Missouri. We all remember what happened with Iowa State. They had won two games against SWAC opponents during the 2020-21 season. T.J. Osselberger leads up to the Sweet 16. Kansas State last year certainly comes to mind as well. How much do you think some of these first-year coaches – They do fall a little bit of victim to just some of the greatness of what we've seen from other coaches that actually lends a lot of value to them in season number two.
5: I'll steal your line, which I love. When you handicap your games, you say each game is its living, breathing own entity. And these first-year coaches, each one you have to analyze independently. John Shire struggled last year coming in for Mike Shashevsky, and what happens? He finds the magic, and they rattle off six games. They end up winning the ACC three games in a row. They win that. Beat all Roberts, lose to a tough Tennessee team. So a lot of times... The first-year coach can make a difference. Then you have situations where Jawan Howard did really well. uh, When you had a lot of situations, Hubert Davis came in North Carolina. He struggled, then he got hot. But second year, they both struggled as well. So I think sometimes, like an Otzelberger, they can come in and make a huge difference and they can be underrated. And sometimes they come in and they really struggle. I think you have to look at the players. I think you have to look at consistency with with talent. And you have to look at the coach and the opponents in that conference. So I think it can go either way. You're right. It's not just an automatic that they're going to be terrible or great I think you have to analyze each independently and there are opportunities for both to fade or to back depending on the situation
2: I agree with you i do think that there are going to be some second year coaches in which there's going to be a lot of value on them because I think a lot of people are just going to take a look at your number one be like ah oh, they weren't any good whatsoever but they didn't really know the circumstances behind it all and i do think that that is always very valuable to take a look at as we do have Mike Randall he does great work over at FTM Bets. He is joining me on Coast to Coast Hoops. And Mike, we are quite a bit of a ways out from the NBA draft decisions and what have you. But is there any team that right now, if you take a look at the futures board, that you might find a little bit of value on, which I recognize I asked this question when there just isn't, in my opinion, necessarily a lot of betting opportunities. And we're not going to be seeing a lot of movement up until like October, November with regards to a lot of these teams in terms of futures market. But is there any team that you just take a look at and you think, man, this might be a team that's a little bit mispriced. It doesn't need to be like some team that's very short at like 15 to one or anything like that. But just maybe a team that's like, ah, they're at like a 100 to one. Maybe they should be like closer to 40 or 50 to one.
5: Yeah. You know what I've been looking at, I've been trying to get some of the ones Greg that are sort of middle of the road. I put a tweet out earlier. I love Michigan state. They're not middle of the road, but I think there's a lot of value of them coming back. they are plus 1500 right now, but some of the programs that are sort of hovering in the middle area, you know, a Xavier plus 4,500. What a great first year he had, you know, I mentioned St. Mary's already a plus 5,000, you know, teams I'm looking for. And again, they can make that deep run and you can hedge out and lock yourself in profit. Uh, Ohio state was horrific at the end of last year, but they may be able to really improve because they are very underrated plus 7,000. And the last one I'll mention is look, we talk about the first year coach. It can go one way or another. Texas tech was supposed to be absolutely one of the top teams in the big 12 last year. And they had a debacle with all of Mark Adams situation. So now you have Grant McCaslin. He's got Pop Isaacs back. They're sitting there at plus 8,000. You have a bunch of teams coming into the Big 12, new teams. I get it. It's Kansas. I understand the top teams. Texas will be great, but Texas Tech is a team that can absolutely make some noise. McCaslin done it. They won the NIT. They played UAB, Conference USA, celebrating with a dominant postseason performance. He is the type of coach that can make a massive impact in year one. So You're going to give me them at plus 8,000. Same odds I'm seeing at DraftKings with Michigan Oklahoma State, who's plus 9,000, I will take them any day of the week.
2: I think that that's a very good look there. And with Texas Tech, I also like the fact that they brought in Devin Cambridge a few days yep. ago as well. Someone who I had no idea that he had opted out of going to Oregon until he had actually decided that he was going to be going to Texas Tech. But you know what? Still, a very good gift for Texas Tech. And it's always a great get on this podcast is getting you aboard, Mike, because you do a tremendous job taking a look at the great game of college basketball. I know you do great work over at FTM best, taking a look at a lot of football, getting your prep work for that upcoming season as well. And then obviously doing tremendous work with the screen, the screener podcast as well. So let the good people at home Know it's all on tap for you and how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms.
5: Yeah. Join us at FTN guys. We have a $1 for the first month sale at FTN bets. Come on over. We have a ton of content. Uh, Greg just mentioned it. Fantasy football bets daily or data. Everything is exploding here. Such a busy time. And before you know it, college basketball will be back. Of course, on Twitter, Randall Rand. Let me know. I'm terrible. I'm great. Whatever you want to say. Let's just keep the conversation going here as we hit to July 4th.
2: Absolutely. And we are starting to get into college basketball conference preview season. Certainly I've been doing that on this podcast. I know that Mike Is doing a great job Take a look forward to the upcoming season as well. A big thanks to Mike Randall for joining me on Cusco Seeps now, part of the Beast and Family Podcast. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we'll fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep a mind letters ZM. Amy does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. And the other way, that's fine. An Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. And I'm with you guys. Every single day on this podcast, we're seeing less player movement, what have you. These rosters are getting more set. So now we're going to be diving in on these teams a little bit more. More conference previews are going to be coming your way. Hopefully Conference USA will be up sometime later on during the week as well. But regardless, I'm with you guys every single day on this podcast. So appreciate you tuning in today and I'll be back once again tomorrow. Thank you.
0: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross.